RadioInfluence.com. Uh, flavor, flavor, please tell your neighbors, Ian Beckles with flavor in your ear. <laughs> Wake up, sports, music, and fashion, best of podcasting, what's going on now and what's soon to happen. Be sure to stick around, no fast forward or skipping, dropping jewels, you don't want to miss them. Make sure you listen, Ian Beckles with the flavor in your ear, the voice of the people's here. Welcome back to Flavor in Your Ear. Uh, this is the podcast where we've been going over a little government stuff. And um, you know where I stand on this whole situation. And what we need to do is uh, not to keep everything one-sided. You need to bring some people in to bounce off of. And not saying this is bouncing that guy has completely different attitude that I have. Just bringing a different mind in here. And I ran into this young man, William Frankie, on a daytime show. Um, he is a lawyer. He had a little segment right before ours. Sometimes it delayed us. We'd have to sit there and watch him. But it was entertaining, so it's all good. Uh, Mr. Frankie, how are you, sir? Good. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, no... Uh, you know, no trials or anything like that today? No, easy day today. Okay, that's so, good. Gives that, you some time to come in. That is a good time. So are you still with the daytime show? You still still doing stuff with them? Not right now. Okay. We're, we're taking a little break, taking a little pause, yeah. um, you know, kind of revamping the creative on that. Sure. And uh, your little segment was uh, letting them know what is, I guess, true or false, I guess, for... Uh, the, the different... Explain, explain what the segment was. Yeah, so we would give... I would give... Three different scenarios to the hosts, mm-hmm. and they would have to guess which one was actually a case. Cool. So we tried to have some fun with yeah, it. And, it was good. Uh, it was fun. I think you actually did one once. I did do one, and I got it right. Thank you. So uh, <laughs> I did not go to law school by any means. Uh, I took one law, cat, one, one law class. It was racism in the law, and it was one of the, my, it was my favorite classes of all time. Yeah, that sounds like an interesting one. It was very, very interesting, <laughs> and it really you know, pertains to a lot of things going on in our crazy world right now. Uh, so, uh, William is a lawyer. Um, how, long, how long have you been practicing? Seven years now. Seven years. You're a young man, obviously. Still got good hair. Yes, Congratulations. thank you. <laughs> um, let me ask you where you stand politically. Where do you stand politically? Say Republican, but okay. shaded more towards the middle. Okay. Good, <laughs> good, because, you know, I'm, I'm not Republican, I'm not Democrat, okay? I, I talk about politics in general. If you would ask me five years ago, I didn't know anything. I still don't know anything about politics. I'll be honest with you. I just don't know anything about politics. I know that I don't believe in it, okay? I know that what I watch is crazy, and I hope everybody else believes that what they're watching is crazy. Do you, how much politics do you watch? Not a lot, but okay. I agree with what I see. Okay. A lot of it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not necessarily staunch in my beliefs of Republican or Democrat, but okay. more of these are the things that I believe in. Sure. And these are the things that I want to see happen or don't want to see happen. Mm-hmm. And whether that makes it Republican or Democrat, mm-hmm. I, I'm not interested in the Good title per se. Good for you. Because I think one of the problems in our world is, not our world, our country, is there's Democrat and Republican. So... Whatever, if you're a Democrat, whatever the Democrats say, that has to be right. Uh-uh. I'm, I'm too, I think I'm too intelligent for that. Or maybe I'm dumb. I don't know. <laughs> but I know is some of the things that I believe are what Republicans say. And some of the things I believe are what Democrats say. Whatever comes out of Donald Trump's mouth, this sounds like a bowel movement to me now. <laughs> because I don't know why anybody would ever listen to anything he says. Okay. Um, did you vote for Trump, if I, ask, if I can ask? I, I did. Okay. I, I did vote for Trump. Okay. Um, it, it was a... a 
an interesting option at the time. Okay. It was something completely new mm-hmm. and unique. And, and the only thing I really knew about Donald Trump was mm-hmm. his acting career, if you will, or okay. that he was in business. And mm-hmm. to me, looking at it, it was it was a new opportunity. Okay. It was a break from regular politicians, if you will. Makes sense. Now, my thing is this. I think our world is going crazy to the point where if somebody asks somebody if they voted for Donald Trump and they say yes, all of a sudden they get reserved and pissed off. I can't do that because I don't know if Hillary would have been any goddamn better, okay? I just don't know if she'd have been any better. Right. You had two choices, okay? Neither of them were wrong, but we made the Donald Trump choice. But now let's be civil, Okay, like if you voted for Donald Trump, cool. I'm still okay with that. But then you still have to evaluate what a man's doing in in office. And he's doing some good things. He just is. He just shouldn't talk. Okay, (laughs) and that's a problem. (laughs) That's a problem for the president. It is because he really, you know, if he just didn't speak, you can look at some of the things he's done and go, okay, this guy's done some good things. But for me, he unravels the thing. With his, with his ignorance, okay? And I, I just, I would like to believe that my president was uh, more versed in a lot of things that are going on now. And um, I, like, I'm just new to, this, new to this politics thing. I didn't really listen to Obama much. I really didn't. Be- but it's easier for my ear to listen to him. You know what I'm saying? It's, to me, it's not more politics as it is a personal thing with Donald Trump. I never liked Donald Trump to begin as the person. If I had to vote either way, and I did not vote because I totally don't believe in politics, I don't know if I wouldn't have voted for Donald Trump because I don't think Hillary was worth words of shit, to be honest with you. Right. So um, I'm okay with anybody who voted for Donald Trump. I just think, I just want people to be rational about what's happening. I agree. And, and that's, that's the problem right now. That is the problem is that, that there's a lot of separation going on and it's us and them. And we sh- it should be, it should be Americans. Right. It shouldn't be them because we're, we're all living in, in, in the same area. Now, you know, I'm watching all these, um, debates, uh, Bloomberg, who everybody said was gonna, gonna sneak in and beat everybody got completely eviscerated in the last <laughs> debate. He did. And he's not ready. You think no. Donald Trump's gonna kill him? I, I think so. I, I think, honestly, the problem, I think, for, our, for the Democrats, if you will, is that I'm not sure any of those candidates are really strong. Agreed. And that's going to be a problem. And, and I think a middle-of-the-road Democrat mm-hmm. who is strong and is not the kind of old gray-haired politician, if you will, mm-hmm. would stand a really good chance. And quite frankly, I would consider mm-hmm. a middle-of-the-road Democrat okay. who's a little different. Okay. Than um, than your, your typical politician in the upcoming election. Okay, that makes sense. Now, um, your family Republican? I would say yes. Okay. Uh, well, I, it's good that you have an open mind. Okay. If from what you've seen from the Democrats, where where do you think you would lean? From what you just said, I, I'm picturing Pete Buttigieg for me. Okay. I, I mean, I've listened to them all. I don't know if any of them can mess with Trump. I mean, because. <laughs> I thought Bloomberg might be the guy, and now I'm completely struck him off. I literally scraped him up. He ain't ready. When you're letting, he got talked down. He didn't have have not one answer. And to me, he is Donald Trump, but he's nicer. He's he's done what Donald Trump's done, but he's nicer. Donald Trump just doesn't give a shit. He's just going to smash people. I think he lacks the charisma. And that, I think, may be one of the things for Trump was Mm -hmm. he came in with all this charisma and... I'm going to do something different. And, and yeah, I think they're similar in the fact that, you know, they're just kind of wealthy individuals who have fallen into this. 
But, but Trump they, has that, that kind of panache that he, you can't, he, he it's does. intangible. Bloomberg doesn't have it, but he still has some of the bad habits that Donald Trump has. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I'm going to say this, and I don't care if I offend anybody because I don't know if a lot of billionaires are listening to my podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's an unfortunate thing that most billionaires seem to fall into this rut of behavior like Donald Trump and Bloomberg from the stories we're hearing. Like, right. okay, this is where you're going to come into play. And these are a lot of the answers that I don't know. Um, in, you know, in the little debate that they had, it had uh, uh, the non-disclosure that I guess Bloomberg has a dozen or so non-disclosures of women who he did something wrong and they signed a non-disclosure. And then everybody was like, why don't you just let them release them for the non-disclosure? Have you ever seen that? What, why would somebody release somebody of a non-disclosure? I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> if, if I put my lawyer hat on for a second yeah. and, and take politics out of it. Yeah. As a lawyer, I'd say you, you, that'd be ridiculous. Why, Why would you ever? You already paid somebody? for it. Yeah, you paid for it. Yeah, it's none of your damn business. Yeah. So I mean, that's not going to happen. Um, you know, there's, is there any limits to a non-disclosure? It, I mean, it really comes down to what's in that particular non-disclosure agreement. Um, most of them, as long as there's a court order that says you are to disclose this information, mm-hmm. then you need to disclose the information. Usually there's kind of a kicker in there that says the other party has a right to fight that court order mm-hmm. or to, to have a hearing before the order is entered type sure. of thing. But for the most part, it's, it relies solely on what that particular document says. So they're all different. They're all different. They are. Okay. I pro- some of them probably say that you can't even speak to the media, I would think. I would think in, yeah. in that situation, mm-hmm. especially, right? I mean, you can only, you you got to tailor it to the specific situation. So it'd be really tough to have a valid non-disclosure that sure. says, Ian, you can't talk to the media about anything ever. Period. Right? Period. Yeah. I, I don't think that would fly, but Ian. Well, you, we don't know how much money he gave him. <laughs> well, well I, if somebody I, gave me I, $10 million, I won't ever speak again. Oh, I, period. From the real life yeah. practical aspect, ah, I, I'm taking my $10 million, I'm going <laughs> away happy, right? Yeah. But from the legal aspect, I don't think that that survives, right? Understand. But hey, Ian, the conversation that we just had mm. before we started this, this show today, hey, that you can't talk to the media about. Understand. That would fly. Okay. That, that, that makes a little lot of sense. Now, let me move on to something that I, I don't know if I know anything about. Uh, you've heard about pardoning for a while. Uh, Trump is pardoning more than most. Unfortunately for me, uh, he's just pardoning wealthy people. Okay. Um, he just pardoned, pardoned Eddie DeBartolo, uh, for something he did in the 90s, I think it was. Um, I know, I don't know Eddie DeBartolo. I know him a little bit. Like if I saw Mr. DeBartolo, he would say, hi, Ian. Okay. That's, he, I know him. I've been to yeah. his events. Salted Earth Cat. Like I, what did his pardon do? Do you know? I don't, but my guess is that, and I don't know what he was convicted of or anything else, but it, if you're convicted of something federally, which mm-hmm. is usually what the president can pardon on is, is federal offenses, mm-hmm. most, vast majority of the federal offenses are felonies. Mm-hmm. And if you have a felony conviction, you lose certain rights. Uh, voting rights is one of them. And that was oh. a big thing in Florida oh, recently. Okay. In, in the restoration of uh, voting rights mm-hmm. is that felons now, supposedly by the vote, have the right to to vote mm-hmm. in, in the next election. However, there are, have been some issues with and There's been actually some ongoing litigation, okay. but that's generally the reason for a pardon. Okay. Well, Eddie DeBarlow, or something he did in the 90s, I guarantee he could have voted. He was voting, I would I, think. I would think, but yeah. you know, I, I don't know what happened with him in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think everything that Trump does gets magnified. Oh, yes, of right? yes. yeah. And, and if I remember correctly, and I'm going back some time, but I think Obama may have, 
pardoned a lot of people yeah. as well. They they were less known people. I think he Correct. pardoned a lot of drug offenses that were doing yes. serious time and yeah. the uh, on both sides of the law. So I spent time in law enforcement and I've spent time as an attorney and, mm-hmm. and the federal system is very, very difficult and it's very punishing and, and it'll keep you in jail or sure. in prison for a long time for sure. small drug offenses. Yeah. So, and I think that's, I think Obama did pardon a lot of people okay. as well, but they were less known because they were kind well, of small those time. Those are different fields now. To pardon somebody on a small drug charge or a drug charge when the times are changing is a lot different than pardoning a billionaire that did something in the 90s. You know what I mean? That's true. Okay. But it doesn't, maybe the billionaire's charges were really small too. And the thing is, is that that small drug charge yeah. doesn't get the press because okay. there, there's less that. public interest in it. Sure. But DeBartolo, I mean, yeah. I, I remember growing up watching the 49ers sure. and knowing that Eddie DeBartolo owned the 49ers yeah. and being in Tampa, just coming down here today. Sure. They still have their sign on, on West Shore. So, well, you know, I, I think it creates a different public perception. No doubt. Well, I mean, Eddie DeBartolo's, I believe, one of the richest men in Florida. Um, and I, I always speak against wealthy people. Like I've, met, I've met wealthy people before, and most of them I wouldn't urinate on if they were on fire. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just telling you that. Eddie DeBartolo's a different dude, man, because... I, I've been to his events before and I get there and I see him in a chair and I go to pay my respect, like almost like a mafia movie. And I, before I get there, a line starts, you know, developing and Joe Montana's in the line and uh, Jay Moore's in the line and Colin Kaepernick is in the line and Ronnie Lott. And these are people that all flew from California to come here to Tampa to his party. You know, if you Culver House, if he was still alive, if he had a party in California, you know who's going? Nobody. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Right. Even if you pay for a flight and everything, nobody's going to go because there's no respect. So he has a lot of respect. I've been in his house before uh, at an event, and uh, the people working there were like, I would never work for anybody but Eddie DeBardolo. And this is the kicker here. He had Louis Thirteenth at the bar, and I and he let me drink some. Oh, wow. So we're always going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Me and Eddie, because this is everything I love. If I have a bottle of Louis, nobody's getting any of my bottle of Louis. I'm putting it on the side, and just me and my people will drink that, and, and that's it. That's awesome. So the, the whole Roger Stone thing is going on, and I, I, I let people know that he's going to pardon Roger Stone. That's just the way it is. That's, that's Donald. And, um, you know, I, nobody should be shocked because that's, that's what we voted for. That's why he's it. Right. He, he hasn't changed anything. Um, this is something I really want to talk to you about. And uh, we do halftime heats on our show that we talk about different things that are kind of away from sports. And I did one the other day on Stand Your Ground. And um, we all remember Trayvon way back with Zimmerman. Um, speak, to, speak to me on that case, how that turned out, and how you believe the law worked or didn't work in that situation. Yeah, and that's honestly, that's an interesting one because it's been it so is. polarizing. And, yep. and I'll tell you, I've actually done two stand your ground motions. Perfect. Um, one in Martin County and one here in Hillsborough County. Okay. Um, so it's it's definitely a unique area of the law and actually the law changed. So just to touch on that real briefly, mm-hmm. the law is different as it stands right now. Uh, I, I haven't looked at it in the, say, last month because it hasn't been relevant mm-hmm. to me. But there was a Supreme Court case, uh, the theater shooting in Pasco County. Yep. That has led to some appellate cases, mm-hmm. and I believe it is potentially with the Florida Supreme Court now as to this new concept. So what happened when the legislature changed the standard ground mm-hmm. was me as a defendant, I was defending myself. Okay. Okay. And all I had to prove to the state was that, or to the judge rather, that I was defending myself. Okay. That was essentially it. And then 
we have what's called burden. So who has to prove what? Okay. That's what the burden is. So that burden would then prove, go to the state to show that you weren't defending yourself. Okay. It was, it's very, very pro-defendant mm-hmm. right now. Okay. And the Trayvon Martin piece actually mm-hmm. came when it was more pro-state or more pro the victim, if you will. It was pro-victim with it, Trayvon it, Martin? Let's, let's clarify that slightly. Okay, okay. Stand your ground is, is never really pro-victim or pro-state. That I agree. Okay. That I agree, yes. It was more pro-victim and state well, that's, prior to the change. That's scary. That's scary because out of the whole the three situations that are the most polarizing or, or the most, um, what most talked about were Trayvon, uh, the old dude in the, uh, in the theater, and the, the guy in the parking lot, I think in St. Petersburg, that, sh- that shot the black dude. It was. Uh, it was actually Clearwater. I, yeah, Clearwater when I worked yeah. for Pinellas County, we actually did a lot of work really? in that that convenience store parking lot. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, so like, it's kind of interesting. So to me, out of the three, Trayvon did the least. Okay? And, and that's the unfortunate part. You said it was more lenient towards the victim then. Like, I I read up on this thing, okay? And I read all the details and there's nowhere in any details that tells me that George Zimmerman had any business approaching Trayvon Martin. Not none. And, and that that I would that what I would agree yeah. with. I, I would, don't think he really had much of a reason to. Well, but does that? And I guess here's the thing, right? Criminal convictions are very very difficult. It's a really high standard, and we call it a burden of proof. Okay. So proof beyond every reasonable doubt. So do they need, really, need to remove that? In seriously, there's a I could spit right now, and there's a there's a, there's a half a percent you know doubt that I spat, right? You right. could so shouldn't we just remove that? No, because it, it's it's kind of the last great protection to keep innocent people out, and I, I think the concept says that we'd rather keep one innocent person out of Oof. being convicted yeah. than to have guilty people go free. Like we'd rather have more guilty people okay. go free than to have one innocent person be found guilty. This is what's tough for me. The ones that are the high profile cases, the OJ Simpsons. Okay. Reasonable doubt. Okay. But for God's sakes, your man's footprints were there. The blood's in everywhere. I mean, everybody knows OJ killed him, but a racist cop got involved with it. And that made reasonable doubt. Right. So that's a tough situation for me. Trayvon Martin my, I always ask people this question. If Zimmerman didn't approach him, what would have happened? And I, they go, what do you mean? I don't know. Well, I do know because Trayvon wasn't there to cause trouble. He was on the phone with his girl talking about somebody's following me. Okay, so he wasn't going to do anything. Then I ask him this question and I lock, it locks most people up. What would happen if a white guy got killed in a black neighborhood the same way? You think he gets off? Think about that for a second. If a white, white guy, guy was walking black in a black neighborhood. neighborhood and a black person killed him because he thought he was doing something wrong, do you think he gets off? Most likely not. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because there's enough evidence that that's, you know. But that, that said, I'd like, to, I'd like to have that not be the case. Oh, no. I, you, I, it ain't I about just you. think it's not about in, you. In, in real life, yeah. I think that, that you're right. I think. Yeah, I mean, that's. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I, I still I talk to people and. I talk to lawyers. I know a lot of lawyers, and I talk. I like to talk to lawyers because they know. They know. And like I've asked a lawyer, and I like I've I told people about you know uh, 
courtrooms, I go, listen, you have to try black people sometimes different than white people because they're seen differently. And people are like, no, that's not the law. And I ask a lawyer and they go, well, that's, you kind of have to, okay? It's just, it's, it, we're not the same, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it's not, here's the unfortunate part when you get to actual trial. Mm-hmm. It's less about the facts and more about the show. I agree. Who's the mm-hmm. better presenter? Who's the better mm-hmm. actor? Mm-hmm. And by actor, I mean the attorneys. And it's not saying yeah. that anybody's lying in, in mm-hmm. it, but who can present it better? I, mm-hmm. I mean, I know when I, and I do some criminal defense work, not a lot, mm-hmm. but um, enough that I know there's certain defendants that are going to cause a problem. They're, they're going to make the case really difficult. Sure. I have a set of facts that are really pro defense mm-hmm. and a really good case and a really bad defendant. Yeah. That's that can actually be your case killer right there. That can be the difference of guilty and not guilty sure. is that individual. Even just even if they don't testify, they're just sitting there and sure. you know, we'll, we'll take it to I mean, I had a guy, he, white guy, mm-hmm. just didn't present well. Sure. Right? Sure. I mean, I, same thing with a black guy. You yeah. can take the same thing and mm-hmm. and you know, if they look like they're from the hood, if you will. Are you going to get a Hillsborough County jury yeah. or a Pinellas County jury that are, you know, I, I think both counties are probably still more predominantly white or white and Hispanic. Oh, sure yeah. You're probably going to have a problem, mm-hmm. right? But if, if you, you know, if they have dredge, for example, and you cut them and they're clean cut and they show up in a suit, yeah. I think you erase yeah. those problems. And it's, it, it is, it's a perception thing and it's less about, the facts and it is about perception, which well, is unfortunate. Well, I'm living perception. Okay, I'm walking perception. Guys, okay, so if you if you look at me, uh, I, I I'm actually dressed up today. I'm wearing jeans, <laughs> and I don't ever wear jeans. I always wear shorts. Um, I always wear shorts, running shoes, a hat, and t-shirt. That's the way I walk. Okay, so when people hit me up first and they look at me, you know, they're looking at me first and they're evaluating me from afar. And then as I get closer, I become more acceptable. Okay, when they when I get closer and they look, I got nice glasses on, I got a nice watch on, I got nice running shoes on, I stepped out of a nice car, all of a sudden I become more acceptable. Where I think at first some people get a little, like, when I, when I went to buy a car, I remember when I played ball way back when, you know, I'm, I'm talking to a guy about a car, and the guy's literally looking away as he's talking to me, like he's not paying me any mind. So, you know, I'm buying a nice luxury car. And then all of a sudden I hear somebody whisper in his ear and I look over and he says, oh, you didn't tell me you played for the Bucks. And he changed all of a sudden. All of a sudden I became cool and I became money. Yeah. And he looked at me different. He treated me different. And I just, and then, then I didn't, I wasn't, I'm not good with that. Right. And then we came, we're trying to negotiate a price and the guy goes, what do you care? You make, you make so much money. And I, I started to get up. He goes, what? I go, no, no, we're not going to, it's not going to work. Anyways, I got the price to what, what I want because that's the that's the way it goes. Right, and I'm a pretty darn good negotiator. Okay, yeah. that that is for sure. Yeah, that, that's not cool. That's not cool on on their part. To, hey, but that's the world, though. It is. That's I mean, the world. People do it to us as lawyers. They assume that we must oh, be, we must course, all be millionaires course, because, and it's just it's not the reality. Well, they do it with lawyers. They do it with athletes. They do it with black people. They do it with Hispanic people, and that's what we do now in this country. And it's it's getting sad. Yes, because you know. From Mon- I'm from Montreal, Canada. Uh, when I got here, uh, I'm, I'm in an NFL locker room. You know, there's guys from Compton and there's guys from Louisiana. And m- maybe I speak a little more proper than them, okay? Uh, trip, um, trip some people out. Yeah. I'm like, why are you speaking like that? I'm like, what? Well, like what? They're like, well, you shouldn't be. What do you mean? I mean, it's like I, they want me to be, they want me to open my mouth and sound a certain way. Right. I do. I can't. I can't do that. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing. I wouldn't be here if. Uh, like I want to say, hey guys, you know, I'm, I'm educated. Yeah. I went to school. You right. know, <laughs> we're, we're, some of us are educated. 
But um, tell me a little bit more about you, where you where you from originally? Why'd you get into law? Sure. So I grew up in South Jersey, right outside of Philly, nice. about 10 minutes outside of where Philly. exactly uh, Marlton, which is right next to Cherry Hill. I lived in Cherry Hill. Did you really? When I played for the Eagles, I, li- I played for, I lived in, you know, I, I played for the Eagles. I didn't know you played for the Eagles. I played for the Eagles two years. I lived in Cherry Hill for two years. What years were you with the Eagles? Eight, 97 and 98. Oh, okay. With Ray Rhodes and, yeah. uh, didn't love Philly. I actually liked Cherry Hill. I liked Cherry Hill. So I lived there with a beautiful house and, uh, I, I like Cherry Hill. Yeah. So you lived in that little area. Yeah. Do you remember Olga's Diner? <laughs> absolutely absolutely we lived behind olga's diner. i lived right there yeah it was crazy yeah that's that's crazy that's crazy yeah there's well, a little I, neighborhood back right behind so mm-hmm. where 70 and 73 came yeah. together right in that area right behind olga's there was yeah. a little like two or three street sure. neighborhood that's where we were well, there's diners everywhere oh yeah so why'd you get you said you were you said you were in law first yes why'd you get in why'd you get into what well, you said you were a, a deputy first correct why did you leave that and become a lawyer so I kind of knew, well, even to take it a step back further. So I played ball at University of Tampa and Baseball, yeah. got hurt okay. and I, I didn't have a backup plan, right? I wasn't necessarily going to be the best ever. Okay. I don't even know. I don't even think I was going to ever play pro ball, <laughs> okay. although I wanted to. That you was kind of the aspiration. You never know. You never know. But I didn't really have a solid education plan. Okay. I was a sport management major and I was barely kind of trying to squeeze my way by. Sure. And, uh, and do that. And I really didn't know what I was going to do with that. And so when I got, when I decided to go into law enforcement, I said, I, I need to have a backup plan. Mm-hmm. It was time to kind of smarten up a little bit and learn from the past. So really just went to law school as a backup plan mm-hmm. and was planning on being a deputy forever <laughs> and sure. working up into the general counsel's office, which is the lawyers of, mm-hmm. uh, of the department. And Doing that and being able to take the experience from law enforcement and moving it out there. And uh, Thanksgiving 2009, mm-hmm. I had a guy come up to me on a bike. I worked in, I always worked in really bad neighborhoods, mm-hmm. which was uh, interesting. I'm sure it was. So guy comes up on a bike. He decides he's going to run. Mm-hmm. Um, and by run, he actually jumped off the jumped bike. off the bike to run. I'm like, really, buddy? <laughs> you know, if, yeah. uh, honestly, if he doesn't jump off the bike, mm-hmm. this may, I may not even be here for this conversation, quite frankly, because I may still be doing that. So he jumps off the bike and runs. I go run after him. I step in a storm drain, tear the labrum in my hip. That's what happened. That's what happened, yeah. And uh, really? I had hip surgery, came back some. Eesh. Still, it was it was kind of rough working. Like, a lot of pain as I'm I've working. I've never and, heard any good stories about hip surgery. Yeah, no. And, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but yeah. Tua, I yeah, keep yeah. hearing about Tua, and I'm thinking, good God, how is this guy going to play I professional would, football? I wouldn't draft him. No. After two hip surgeries, I, I can't see it, yeah. right? But uh, so that happens. And as I'm going through, a buddy of mine, his wife works in a general counsel's office mm. for a, a private firm or a private uh, company. And she says, hey, why don't you interview? We have an opening and interviewed there and just kind of went from there. Then I moved into a personal injury firm mm. after that because I really didn't like the transactional side of just general right. counsel work. And I was at a PI firm for four years mm-hmm. and then opened up my own shop after after that and mm-hmm. been doing it now for two and a half years on my own. So personal injury, you know, DUI, stuff like that? Yeah, personal injury, DUI, a um, little bit of criminal. We actually have a second attorney now who just left the state attorney's office. Okay. So she handles, she can handle more of the heavy criminal stuff, if you will. Perfect. Um, she's actually handling the DUIs more as well. Um, and then I'm focusing primarily on the personal injury side. Perfect. So do you have, um, we're, we're going to bring William on uh, periodically to talk about this law stuff because I don't know all that law stuff. you have any advice for people DUI-wise? I hear advice from different people 
give, give some people for DUI advice. Yeah, and probably one of the best things, and I'm probably parroting something that mm-hmm. I've heard along the way, but if you don't know, don't blow. That's what I hear. And, and that's, that's yeah. one of the biggest things. I mean, at the end of the day, you're not going to get around the the aspect of the tests yeah. and those things. I mean, people will try to tell you different things, but if they suspect that you are under the influence, mm. they will take you to jail. And uh, central breath testing is actually right at the jail. Oh. So they're going to bring you in as if you're going into the jail or mm. they park in the same same lot. And then we're talking Hillsborough County. Uh, I can't remember where Pinellas County is. It's mm. been too many years, sure. honestly. But when you pull into the jail, one side, it's called a Sally Port. It's basically a parking lot that has doors that come down on either side. Okay. Central breath testing, which is where they have to take everybody is on one side. Then you walk across the parking lot and, and go into jail. Sure. Even if you blow triple zeros mm-hmm. and you're going to give a urine screen and that's going to sit there, you're still going to jail. Period. Period. Really? Yes. Because I've, I've, I've heard people say that before. And my mind, I'm like, if I have one drink, I'm not blowing. But everyone's like, don't blow. But to me, as, as somebody in the media, okay, as a public figure somewhat, if I don't blow, I'm, I'm guilty. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And, and let's yeah. think about this from a very ultra practical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have one drink and maybe that drink is just before you leave, or maybe there's some time that has mm-hmm. passed. Okay. And no, number one, you're a big guy, yes, I right? Am. So yes, one I. drink is probably not going to have the same effect as I'm not that big of a guy. Correct. Right. So it's going to have a different effect on you as it mm-hmm. is on me, but let's just look at the timing aspect, right? One drink metabolizes per hour. Okay. Okay. And I believe 0.08, which is the legal limit is about two drinks. Okay. Okay. You get stopped. Okay, that person probably, depending on where you get stopped, may or may not be a DUI uh, person, Mm -hmm. right? So if they are in Hillsborough County, we would call a DUI car to come because they had a video camera. They're going to come. So that's five to 10 minutes there. Mm. They're going to put you through Uh, the field sobriety exercises, right? By the time you get to central breath testing, Mm. you're at 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Mm. Then there's a period of time that you have to wait. And I can't remember what it is, Mm. but I want to say it's around 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes. Is your blood alcohol going down at this time? Uh, It should be. It should be. Now, if you left the bar after pounding five (laughs) shots, you're on your way up. Yes, it's going up. No, I get that. (laughs) 100%. But, you know, you're out with some friends and you grab some appetizers and have a drink. And that's the only drink you have. It's working. The minute you stop, it's working its way down. Okay. Now, the caveat is in Florida mm. and the way the law is written is it's under the influence. So you could be under a 0.08, uh, but if it's preventing you from driving mm. correctly mm. or safely, you can actually still get arrested for DUI. You could actually still get convicted of DUI. Wow. Now it makes it that much harder. It makes it tougher. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, can you refuse the field sobriety exercises? Mm. You can. Mm. Um, it, it, it takes the video part of it away. Sure. Um, if you know, if you know you're going to blow over, mm. don't definitely, blow. Definitely, definitely don't, don't blow. Definitely and don't. then a jury can only look at the video. Mm. And that's all they're going to have. Now, sure. I mean, I've kind of seen it all in uh-huh. terms of DUI videos, I'm most sure. mostly sure from have. the law enforcement side. Mm. And unfortunately, sometimes from the law enforcement side, it mm. can be kind of comical. Okay. <laughs> I mean, just think about your, your experiences with really drunk people. Yeah, well, it, it's Tiger, not funny that they're Tiger, driving. Remember Tiger Woods? Yeah. You couldn't recite the alphabet. Yeah, You're but it's, messed up. it's not just that. I mean, yeah. the, the things that, that people will say and I'm do. Sure, and, I'm sure. If I wasn't drunk, you yeah. couldn't see me dance like this. <laughs> okay, well, uh, that might be a good indicator, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah, 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 that's understandable. <laughs> yeah. So less is, less is more. 
Yes. Just barely something. That's yeah, you, it, you explained it better than anybody that I heard. Seriously. Oh, I appreciate that. Before I was like, no, I'm blowing. I'm but not now it makes sense. If, if you're gonna go down anyways, yeah, it, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. And, you know, what I do personally mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. if it's a Friday or Saturday night, yeah. even if I'm not going out anywhere, yeah. I try to avoid the areas Period. that that they're gonna be. So South Hyde Park. Yeah. Definitely. I'm trying to avoid that because here's the thing. It's not set up for you to pass. Understandable. You know, we could probably do Maybe we do this one yeah. one day is we go through the field sobriety exercises. Middle of the day, we both know we're both sober. Yeah. I bet you I could fail you on. You think so? I think so. You might be able to. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make an excuse right away. I got bad feet. I got bad shoulders. I'm going to do something right away. Even if you were 100% in, mm. in good health, yeah. there's there's going to be things. And and. Just the way it's structured, mm. hands down by your they side, do stand, stand in this particular yeah. position. Don't move until I finish my instructions. And if you do something, they, you know, that's a problem. You put your arms out yeah. to the side, boom, yeah. that is one. Some so. people don't listen all that well. No. That's true. Even well, when they're completely sober. <laughs> well, okay. and, and that's the thing. That, so the, the DUI exercises, what they're based off of is physical and cognitive. Mm. So the idea is that if you're drunk, you can either do something physical mm. or you can do something cognitive, but not both. And driving is one of those things that's physical and cognitive. Sure. That's the theory behind it. I may not agree with the test from a mm. practical standpoint, but that's the theory. Okay. Makes, makes a lot of sense. That makes more sense, like I said, than anything else. If anybody wants to uh, uh, call up young William uh, for DUI or injury, how do they get in touch with you? They can call 855-LAWFATHER. That's yeah. the best way. Uh, our office is on Howard and Kennedy. Very nice. Um, but yeah, a five five law father, Tampa law father.com, com. Howard and Kennedy. Where on Howard and Kennedy? We were between North A and North B. There's those two twin white buildings. If you're driving up Howard on okay. the right side. Okay. 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 I didn't know that. I'm, I'm coming soon. I'm definitely coming soon. <laughs> Perfect. So you want to check out, uh, what's the number again? Give it out. It's eight, five, five law father, eight, five, five law father. And, uh, William does it right. Uh, we're going to have him on here periodically, so he's going to become part of this show. But I appreciate you guys listening. And if anybody wants to get in contact with me, it's Ian Beckles at RadioInfluence.com. Make sure you're listening to the other podcasts as well. And the Ron and Ian show Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 at uh, 6.20 a.m. and 95.3 FM. Mr. William, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Ian. I appreciate it. Appreciate your knowledge. And uh, everybody, have a great weekend. Get out there and enjoy this wonderful weather. And please be safe. Peace out. Oh. To keep the conversation going, follow Ian on Twitter at Ian Beckles and check out DignitaryRadio.com to get the latest on where you can find him next. This has been Ian Beckles, Flavor in Your Ear on Radio Influence. Put the flavor in your ear, the voice of the people's here. It's bringing that flavor in your ear. Flavor, bringing that flavor. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We're going to do a little true-false, and uh, the question is this. Will current Bellator champions still hold the title at the end of 2020? And if our answer is false, we got to give you who we think is going to be the Bellator champion. So, Daniel, let's start off right at the heavyweight division, Ryan Bader. I will say false. And my answer will be Vitaly Minikoff. Wow. Wow. I disagree with you, Jason. I disagree with you because unless this title is stripped from Ryan Bader, I don't think Vitaly Minikoff can beat him. Ryan Bader, to me, 
is just absolutely a premier talent and one of the top, top, top fighters in Bellator. And I think there's a skill level difference between him and everyone else in this weight class. So Vitaly Minikov very well uh, could be nipping at those heels. But I think it's true. I think Ryan Bader remains heavyweight champion, Jason. I think the key thing in answering this question also is, will the Bellator heavyweight title be defended in 2020? We know Ryan's got his light heavyweight title defense coming up here in May. You'll see how he gets out of that health-wise, whatnot. But I, I think that in, in terms of heavyweight title, Minikoff has to be the guy next for him. So we'll see what happens there. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.